Welcome to Smart in the City, the Babel podcast. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu. And really at Babel, we aim to connect the players in the smart city industry with high quality information and ideas through our platform and services. This podcast is really an extension of this goal and mission to drive the change for a better urban life. So, uh, yeah, we haven't journeyed too far from Finland, um, just a short trip to Prague in this podcast. And now we're going back to Finland. So, and uh, we're going to Lati, to be exact, um, which is a municipality around 100 kilometers or so north from Helsinki. And in this episode, we are also really capturing the essence of public-private partnership, which is obviously a topic that is very close to our goals at Babel. So, but now, um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking so much and introduce you to the great guests that we have for today. First, I would like to introduce you all to Johanna Palomeki, who is city architect for the city of Lati. Um, she's all about community engagement, participatory planning, and more. So, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Johanna. Thank you. Thank you, Tamlin. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, really our pleasure, but uh, I'm really interested to dig into all of your thoughts around these topics. Um, and also I have to introduce to you to our other interviewee who's with us today to bring in really the private sector perspective as well. And her name is Marit Kahila, who is the CEO and co-founder at Mapchenaire, uh, which is a community engagement platform for managing public participation processes in a central place. Yeah, welcome also, Marit. Thank you, Tamling. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Um, so we always get started <laughs> with a little uh, tease, a little um, way into the questions with a warm up, so to say. So uh, your history goes back a long way with each other, I've heard. <laughs> um, can you tell us about the first time you met? <laughs> if you remember, oh, whose memory is best? <laughs> your father. This is a test whether we remember the same thing or not. I remember for certain that I had heard a lot about Marit, that she was the researcher who had been doing from the research side the things that I had been uh, endeavoring in practice. And I had read some something written by you and... Um, then finally, maybe around 2010, it might have been, or something like that, around that time, I finally got to meet you uh, on Aalto University campus. Yeah, because I remember that, I, 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 I agree with you, and I remember that as well, that I think we met at the Aalto University, I think we met at the institute, Yes, where I was still working. Somehow I remember you kind of, entering Marketa's office or something like that and we had a small meeting or chat or something this is some something I remember but yeah not in detail yes maybe we have to explain that the unifying factor for us is uh, or the common common denominator is Market Takutta professor at University of Aalto who is really the ground ground breaking person in participatory planning and GIS systems. Marit, you, you can explain this much better than I, I can. And 
Yeah, it might be that I will come back to that, but yeah. it's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she is also behind this whole innovation of of um, kind of using GIS, uh, geographic information system, in 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 bringing the knowledge from the people and gathering the experience based information from the people about their living environment. So she is behind the whole innovation, and I have been. Happy to work with her throughout my my uh, career. So, yeah, yeah. I can point out that, uh, that there's actually when you were saying that public-private partnership, like a company and the city, then the the third very important party or factor in in this equation is uh, the academic community. So, we uh, from from at least the city's perspective where I work. Uh, we we need the platform and and the the tools developed by by the private sector to 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 do do the things that we want to implement. Uh, but uh, also, I find it very valuable that we have a close close relationship uh, to academic research, so that uh, we are able to do work at the city, which is uh, uh, based on on uh, research and fact and. Uh, yeah, the research-backed um, decision-making and uh, driving forward with these tools is very important, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks so much for a little background. And then I want to, you know, start speaking on a bit of a high level on on the topic of today. Um, and when I spoke to you both first, I, I think it was very clear that you wanted to speak really about this knowledge-driven community engagement aspect. Um, so maybe, Johanna, you can go first. Um, what does that mean to you? at its core? Um, I think planning, urban planning, is a lot about using different types of knowledge that we have about the environment, the physical environment and and people. And, and it comes in many categories. We're very used to using knowledge about, uh, like, geographical information about... Uh, what kind of soil situation we have, what kind of ground and so on. We, we use knowledge about traffic situation. We, we use knowledge about nature and so on. And um, we, we know a lot about the uh, features of the natural environment where we are, we are operating. Uh, but what's more sort of new to us is uh, knowledge about the people who are the end users of the uh, city environment and um, I've done concerted effort in my own work to bring that knowledge about the people and their 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 wishes their desires their needs and and even their behaviors into planning processes and that's where we find especially common ground in with Maritain. Yeah and I would love to hear your perspective as well um, what what does it really mean to say knowledge driven community engagement it sounds like a a bit of a buzzword yeah. right but how can we bring it to ground and give it heart yeah it was i mean when i started to work with this type of tools and innovations in 2005 i i remember being a little bit sort of irritated uh, how we how we usually understand participation, how we usually understand participation as an action. We usually we tend to think that it should be based on discussion and and meeting up with people and and 
having this um, one-on-one discussions, and I felt that it's 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 narrowing down the way, uh, and it's narrowing down our possibilities in reaching out people more broadly. And that's why I got very interested of the idea that when we are gathering this new type of information that's based on people's perceptions and ideas and thoughts, and we get this new data, that actually could that also build a bridge between the expert, the professional, the planner and the resident. And of course, I do understand that discussion still is required. I don't say that we could um, neglect that. But uh, in, in addition, this uh, knowledge-driven, or actually in my dissertation, I talk about knowledge-informed planning, that this, and as, as, as Johanna said, urban planning, it's a lot about different kinds of information and data sets. But I'm happy to see today that the data we can capture from the people is also taken seriously, and it's also part of the knowledge planners are using. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you you mentioned this concept to me um, before, and I wonder if you can touch on that again, Marit, on, um, you, you said whose knowledge counts. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah, I think it, it refers exactly to this point that we were just talking about, that, that, um, that, we have a lot of data and information available and, and also planning as an as a work. I mean, Johanna can describe this better, but it requires a lot of information and data. But the question is that, do we have a good amount of data from the people to whom we are actually designing these environments? And, and then the other question is after that, that if we have the data from the people, is it representative? Whose knowledge do we actually uh, have and who are we listening to? And I think in participation, we still have challenges in that, that it's usually only the loud ones whose voice comes through and we don't get uh, people's voices sort of broadly enough. Yeah, yeah. And how do you do that on the city administration side of things, Johanna? Like, how do you make sure that every, all the soft voices are counted too? You can't make sure. <laughs> it's never yeah. going to be perfect and we have to acknowledge that. But I think it's a good good goal to try to make the discussion as wide as possible and include as many voices as possible and as much knowledge from the people as possible. And uh, you need several different methods for doing this. And like Marit said, discussion, one-to-one discussion or live discussion with, with the citizens is really important. It's important not only for gathering knowledge, but also just for building a good relationship and, and trust with the people and, and to get to know them and, and make a sort of Instead of making anonymous planning processes, we give a face to the work that we do. We meet the people and and we tell them what we do, why we do it, who we are, what are the values that we represent as city officials when we are doing this work. But in addition to this, uh, this kind of uh, meeting the people, uh, I think it's a good idea to broaden the scope and 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 try to get more 
voices heard via some kind of uh, platform to collect uh, more data um, in a more systematic way that we can analyze in a more systematic way and, and put into the planning process uh, in more sort of similar way as we treat all other knowledge so that the sort of difference between sort of so-called hard data and soft data becomes smaller. It's more similar the way we treat knowledge from the citizens and from the people than, say, for example, knowledge that we have about flying squirrels or groundwater or traffic. Uh, traffic. Uh, also, all that knowledge about the uh, physical environment is produced by people. Those people just happen to be experts in their own field that they are dealing with. The knowledge that we get about uh, flying squirrels comes from experts on that subject. And now if we want knowledge about how the city works in everyday life, then the best experts are the citizens themselves, the people who use the city. So why not take the knowledge from them in a systematic way and use it in a systematic way in planning processes. And uh, I think Marit's company, Mapgenaire, has a really, really good tool that we've been using for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to talk about that in in just a minute. I, I'm wondering if um, you collect a lot of data on flying squirrels in Lati. <laughs> Yeah, it's an it's a species that uh, we have to take a, a, into account in planning because of EU directives. So, so yes. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Okay, good, good little uh, tidbit there. Um, more, you know, of course. Uh, yeah, Marit, I do want to talk about tools now because you're really on that side of the equation, supplying the tools to really do this type of work. Um, First question is, how do you think cities should use tools and how should they not use tools? Oi, 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 like all tools. All tools, <laughs> all city. For, well, for example, your tool, we can, we can narrow it if you'd like. How should a city Thank you. use your tool and how should they not use it? Yeah, I think we need to narrow it down. I mean, Johanna can maybe... Uh, give better idea but I think cities are using so many different kinds of tools and channels also when communicating with people but of course we see um, we see nowadays also more and more cities who are interested and eager to kind of to direct different types of activities to Mapchener platform as well and that's also I think it, to some extent, it can happen that you have one, one tool, one service through which you take care of most of the, the activities. But then I think it will be always there that you have these other tools also uh, available and in use. But yeah, what, be, what cities should do and what they shouldn't. I mean, of course... I love always, I, I think that's uh, amazing when cities use the tool a lot because that's the way how they learn uh, the capabilities of the tool. They learn about uh, themselves, you know, that how to shape their processes, what's useful for them. And, you know, so I think when they use it a lot and when they are open to learn and also I think that too that when the 
colleagues, for example, new colleagues are willing to test and learn. So, and I think that's the the other side that what they shouldn't do is that to have just one person maybe in the organization, you know, can you take care of this engagement questionnaires, map-based questionnaires, can you do that, all that? And then it's this one poor person who needs to take care of all these different kinds of designing the tools for different projects. So I think it's better if the planners also do, they cannot do, of course, I mean, but they like they are more involved into the designing phase of these engagement tools. But that what what they shouldn't do also is um, I think this this doesn't happen that often anymore. But I mean, we established a company eleven years ago, and it was I think it was more visible during that time that sometimes I felt that the cities they are eager to you know, they are eager to test and try the tools and use use the tools for data collection, but they were not that eager to really use the data in a way. And, and this is something I, I feel that they should not neglect this information. They should really use it and think in what ways it's valuable for them. So, yeah, hard question. Good, good. Then I'm doing my job well. Can I take on that? <laughs> yes, yes, please, Johanna. Excellent, excellent point that, Marit, that uh, it's not enough to be eager to use the tool. You should also be eager to use the in the end result, the, the data and the knowledge that is produced. The, the tool is just a tool. It's not, in an, it's not an end in itself, but the knowledge is. And and the the end result, the the good plan that comes out at the end of the process is uh, is the end, and and good life <laughs> is the end end product. And uh, planning is all about processes. And I think it's a good idea to think about the way you use different tools for participation what kind of uh, tool and what kind of intervention together with the citizens is pertinent at which stage of the process. And uh, from my experience, I know that the earlier you can initiate dialogue with citizens, the better, the earlier, the better. And um, I think the earliest thing that you can do with people is before you even set out to a particular planning task or before you set the goals for a particular planning project, you can already start collecting knowledge about how the city works. Where, where are the places that the citizens love? Where are the places that they want to develop? And why, what their experience of uh, accessing services and things like that are on a general level without even an agenda of planning. That's the earliest stage possible that you can engage people and you can produce that kind of knowledge that you can then feed into different uh, planning planning processes and then you can uh, initiate a dialogue with the people even one-to-one bringing into this this you you can you can give this knowledge hey we've produced this knowledge uh, in this questionnaire and we found out that uh, uh, the citizens of Lahti love these and these areas, and they would like to see these and these areas developed further. 
And then you can start a discussion about whether that knowledge is valid and which which uh, development sites we should prioritize and what we should protect and what we should uh, do. And uh, these map-based questionnaires are very, very good for gathering this early stage knowledge. What happens when people contradict each other? When when you're collecting knowledge and people say, no, we want that. No, we don't want that. No, we should do this. No, we don't do this. What do you do then? Uh, well, uh, planning results are never a result of a vote. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, not a democracy. <laughs> it's a democratic process in that everyone can participate and give give their view. And uh, and then it's at least in the Finnish planning system, it's the, the elected Uh, decision makers who finally make the decision about the plan. So it's a democratic process, yes, and it's open. But uh, it, it's not about, you know, who shouts the loudest or who which which view gets the most votes, because it's not only about the people's knowledge. Remember, I said that we use many different types of knowledge. We have to take all that other knowledge into account as well and weigh what is, what is the best solution uh, taken all this knowledge that we have taken our strategic goals that we have taken taken the values that we support and 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 then hopefully we can come in, in into a consensus this uh, make a planning solution that our decision makers can come into consensus about mm. and may i add a little remark i remember i mean when we did the first projects together it was still i was still working at the university we did the first project with the urban planners in a couple of uh, Finnish cities. And it was the very first time this type of innovation technology was used ever. And I remember when we were having a discussion with the planners, what was their biggest fear was that they get a lot of this negative feedback because that was how it used to be more. They said uh, to us that always when they organize these workshops or you know, public meetings, they get just this negative feedback. People are complaining, they are annoyed, they are asking like, why have you already planned everything? Why you haven't been listening to us? And why this type of sort of planning um, solution is taking place in here? And they were used to get this negative feedback. So they were, yeah, yeah, that was like very strong in their thinking, like, And, and they were afraid a little bit that, okay, if we now open this Pandora box for the residents and we can give them the possibility to, to even more quickly to share their feedback, they were afraid that, oh, what will happen? And after the first project, when they noticed that when the data is collected in a structured way and been taught carefully, what are the important questions Introducing the people, why we are gathering the information, what will happen in the area. What was the result was that they got a lot of positive feedback. People were giving positive uh, comments and feedback and constructive uh, thoughts. So, and this is still something, uh, this is something that is still, I think, um, visible when when these types of tools are used, that it's not only about negative feedback, I think it's more this positive and constructive feedback. I remember one planning case in Lahti, for example, where the where the plan proposal was presented in Mapshanair. 
and uh, up until that time we had we had the impression that there was it, there was a high rise building in that plan and we had the impression that everybody in Lahti opposes that building but when the plan proposal was uh, presented in Mapchenere and and people could point their views on the map we found out that the views were 50-50 50% of the respondents were against it but then suddenly there were hundreds of people who were for building that high rise building and in all the public hearing events that we had organized until then it was only the loud opposers who were were being voiced and and the ones who were not against the plan either they didn't come to the events or they didn't dare say a thing in face of the uh, strong opposition yeah really interesting case do you have other examples um uh, maybe Johanna on on how you use the tool to um, and maybe it surprised you. I don't know. Maybe it surprised me so much, but um, in my career as a planner, I've been using the tool a lot for uh, gathering very sort of extensive, large data sets that cover basically the whole city on on a specific theme or or tr- trying to gather that sort of without any any planning agenda type of knowledge about people's everyday lives and and then feeding that on into uh into next phases of the planning process because i have i have been working on sort of the general planning level or master planning level of the city for a long time and that that's that's sort of the kind of engagement that i've been most uh familiar with May I tell quickly what has surprised me in in the way how Lahti has used uh, Mapchene because I think you have done extremely great job in shaping the internal processes as well uh, according to how to how to how to really utilize the data and how to take it further through these different kinds of tools you are using uh, in planning. Maybe you can elaborate that little bit more, Johanna, but I think you have done good. Well, we've done concerted effort in Lahti to to uh, tackle this question about not just having eager use of the tool, but also using the data, uh, making sure that the data is not forgotten in planning processes. So what we've done uh, in a very sort of simple but innovative way that we've used the GIS system that is used in the city where, where the... Uh, where the city register is for for all the um, uh, for all the map things that the GIS system of the city um, we have in, in integrated this uh, experiential knowledge from people into that same system. So it's it's sort of uh, on on the same level on on a par with all the other knowledge that we have. So we try to make sure that it's easily found and. Uh, different planners can use that knowledge just the same way as they use knowledge about groundwater areas or restrictions or something like that. Yeah, really great insights. And uh, I also always have to ask a bit on like the limitations of um, like what what are the limitations to the benefits of using a tool like this? Like where where do the benefits stop? Either Either of you. I wouldn't say that the benefits 
then the benefits as such don't stop, but there are limitations and, and things that we still need to work on how, how to use this data. For example, one thing that we've noticed that now that we've been using the tool for about 10 years and uh, the data keeps accumulating and we have a lot, we have a lot of data. Uh, uh, it's mostly still, even if it's systematic questionnaire data, it's still, I would say it's still quite quali qualitative, at, at least in our sense. And it's a bit difficult to, or it's it's laborious to go through the data and see what's still valid, how to how to set sort of like a best before date to this kind of data set. Like some other data set, let's refer to flying squirrels again, for example. That is a data set that is provided to us by out, outside experts, by, by nature experts, every so often in a in a systematic way in in a year i don't know how many years it's re there's like a renewal period of the data but there is no such sort of requirements for this kind of participatory gis that you should re regard uh, questionnaires older than 5 years old outdated because some 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 map mappings can be valid for a very long time and some can be outdated much earlier and then it it becomes a bit harder for the planner to be able to trust whether this data is still valid or not if it's very old and from my point of view if i may add where the limitations are i mean we work uh globally in over 40 countries at the moment. And so I hear the stories from, from different kinds of organizations and from different kinds of cultural contexts. But I, I feel that many, many uh, uh, institutes, organizations struggle a bit with the data management, as Johanna did just described. Also, they sometimes they they have challenges in the analysis phase of the data because those data sets can be huge. And if 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 you haven't really carefully, for example, taught the questions, how to how to design the questions and, and how to design the questionnaire, you can get quite quite um, challenging data set back, which is uh, demanding and laborious then to analyze and visualize. But then also I feel that uh, some limitations are when it comes to transparency. I mean, it's, it's still something I, I hope to see more happening in the future. I think we need, maybe we need uh, some new tools or we have to think the ways to do this better. But how to make it, and now GDPR is also a little bit affecting this, but how to make it um, somehow more transparent for the residents, what kind of data has been collected, how the data has been used, how it has affected the planning and how it's, you know, for example, not directly, but how how is it visible in their living environment? So, how to add this transparency into the into these processes and when using the data and when collecting the data? So, there we have some limitations. I feel. Yeah, really great insights into uh, into the tool and really on on the learnings behind it. Um, 
Do you both have anything else that you would like to add in this section? I'd like to give you the opportunity uh, as an open floor um, to, to add something that you feel quite passionate about that the listeners need to know. Um, Johanna, you have something? I fully agree with what Marit has said about the challenges in analysis and and transparency. Uh, the analysis challenge we have tried to tackle by engaging the academic community in our questionnaires that we do, that we, if possible, consult researchers and do the projects together so that uh, we get knowledge that we can use in the planning process, but we can also get sort of like a new research results as well. So mutually beneficial knowledge for planning and, and research. So that can be one way how to tackle the analysis challenge because researchers are experts on <laughs> analyzing data. We planners may not necessarily be that. And, and I have very good experiences about that kind of collaboration. And then uh, the transparency issue, I fully agree with that as well, Marit, that we need to make it absolutely more transparent to the people, uh, not only in the planning phase, but sort of afterwards also, why the planning outcome is the way it is, how we ended, how we use the data and why the planning outcome is, is like this and communicate it back very clearly to them also. We have a very strict bureaucratic uh, documentation system for plans in Finland, and we could easily use that that um, uh, system that we have to communicate a bit better than we do at the moment. And we have done that in Lahti a little bit. We've, we for, for example, the, the planning planning report that we have to write, it's legally required of us. And so we've used that in very simple ways, pointing out in the text with a different font or, or uh, underlining or making a, a box that this this bit uh, of the planning solution where, where you explain explain the plan, then you point out this was an idea that came from, from the people. For example, they can be very simple things. But then again, who reads planning reports? You need other communication tools as well. So it's all about having an open, continuous dialogue on different platforms with the people. Good. Uh, Marit, do you have any closing words um, for for this, uh, the the main part of the interview? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know closing words, but something to share. I mean, I have to say that when we started at the university uh, and we started to think that whether practitioners could also use these type of tools and technologies and, and then when the practitioners came to us and said, this is interesting and relevant. And when we established the company, I mean, it was all about finding the right-minded people from these different organizations, from the, from the cities who were brave enough to test and try these types of new tools. And I think that is something I want to share that share to everyone uh, that I think we wouldn't be here without those brave people like Johanna who who have I mean the tool is just a tool as Johanna said but the people then make it something different and can also drive a change when the when when there is this ambition to use these tools 
to make to, to do something sort of differently and and making make something better so i think these type of types of i would like to kind of thank all these brave people who who are who are willing to test and learn and try and i think in participation it's all about that that we have to be open for new ideas and innovations and testing and and learning and doing these things together i think it will never be sort of ready in a way yeah yeah now uh, yeah thanks to thanks to both of you brave people also for coming onto the podcast and talking about this um i have a a little um also i have another ask of you um that also requires a little bit of bravery and it's um enduring one of our segments um it's actually a new segment of ours called freaky friday freaky friday Switch places with your co-interviewee and answer a few questions in their shoes. So Marit, now you are Johanna. And Johanna, now you are Marit. Um, so get in your each other's mindset um, a little bit. Uh, good. Um, uh, Marit, <laughs> uh, what is your hope for your organization Uh yeah, uh, Ah, Oh, this is not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, you are Marit. My hope, for, uh, my, ho- my hope for Mapchonaire, me, Marit now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my hope for Mapchonaire is that uh, it'll be more and more widely used globally. Uh, but that at the same time as it uh, spreads, uh, it'll also keep developing uh, in an innovative way to answer users' needs and and uh, be a pertinent tool even in the future. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that as well. Good. Now, Johanna... <laughs> What is your hope for your organization? Well, I I certainly hope, yeah, Lahti. Uh, I hope that uh, we at the city of Lahti uh, would get more sort of feedback from the people, not through Mapchene, but in general, we would get this feedback from the people that that they would come to us saying that, hey, we love this city and it has been amazing how the city has developed further and it it's it's becoming more livable and lovable and and that we are doing great work together with them um yeah uh, yeah uh, so there was something else also in my mind, but now I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Very lovely. I'm glad you could get in each other's shoes for a minute. And now um, you can switch back to your own shoes. <laughs> so just back in your own mindset. I would like to ask the question that I ask every single guest that comes onto the show, because as you know, we are a, a smart city podcast and that term we use in a very broad way. And I always like to get in everyone's heads as to what they actually view a smart city ass so um marit to you what is a smart city oh 
<laughs> this is this is tricky because I have been actually criticizing a lot of the concept and the term. To be honest, I mean of, I mean smart city. I mean because it used to be more just and only about technology, and I was a little bit irritated that okay now we are designing this talking um, talking bins and you know all these sort of different kinds of, you know, new thingies that are just smart. And I felt always that is this now that we are just creating and generating a lot of new technologies and, and stuff, you know. So I I have been quite critical towards the term, I have to say, but I think smart city at best is a city where we we use certainly tools and technology and digital digital ways and channels and all that, but we it's the people who drive the use of these tools and it's it's all about the people, people behind the technology, people using the technology, and I think we have to take ownership and control when it like what we want and when it is um, valuable for the making of the city, that we just don't do that for the sake of being smart and bringing new technology in. So we are a little bit more mindful. And also I have to say that nowadays in this sort of uh, ecological crisis in which we are and climate change and all that. So I would like the smart city thinking to concentrate also more to the sustainability uh, issues and that side. So it's balancing in a way. The balancing act of a city, yes. Good. Uh, Johanna, I, I imagine you share similar views, but would love to hear in your words to you, what is a smart city? Absolutely. I think a smart city is a smart community. So it's all about people and, and working working together. And uh, that was a good point that you made, Marit, that smartness very, very much should be about sustainability as well. So it's not, not just technology. Technology can be smart and it can support these goals of, of being a smart community together, like, like your, your technological tool, Mapgenaire, does that. But it's not only that. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I, I think w it's really nice to widen this definition a bit and really talk at, at the core about who is the technology serving. Um, and, and if it does not serve that purpose, then why are we using it? So I, I love that topic when we talk about smart cities as well. So um, with that, I, I only have one thing left to say, and that's just a big thank you to both of you for a lovely and very insightful episode. So yeah, thank you so much. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Thank you, Tamlin. And thank you, Johanna. <laughs> thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> thank you and uh, yeah to all of our listeners don't forget you can always create a free account on babble-smartcities.eu and you can find out all about different projects solutions implementations you can even find a use case um, from Mapchenere and Lati on there so make sure to check that out to get more information about how this tool is used in Lati so yeah thank you all Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life.
have to step into Marit's shoes, my first reaction would be, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to do all that traveling. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>